Firstly, it's impressive to see so many people here today. I remember back in May or June 2019 when I first arrived, we had a Queen's birthday celebration at Plantation House and I believe the Marine team came and put a stand up. And at that time, people were three deep, almost continuously, during the Queen's birthday event, finding out the work that the team were doing. It's pretty impressive that they've continued the momentum and the range of things they've achieved and we've heard about today. I'd like you for a moment to take a look at that poster on the back wall. We're talking about protecting the world's oceans, but if I got my numbers right, seven out of nine territories on that poster are all in the South Atlantic. So I think it's important that we appreciate the South Atlantic is at the forefront of protecting the marine's oceans at this moment in time. We heard about Ascension, who's now got their marine protected area declared, and last week they signed off their marine protection plan. Tristan de Kuna, as we heard the Prime Minister, has uh, developed a marine protection zone, protecting 90% of their waters, and they're now working towards the plan to implement that new zone. But importantly, here on St Helena, the range and diversity of the studies and the law changes and the policies that we've put in place means that we here are in the forefront of all of those territories on that chart in protecting and being creative on how we protect our marine environment. St Helena, not to put it mildly, is essentially the flagship territory of the Blue Belt program. I'm also pleased to note uh, that the Blue Belt program has now been extended at least until 2022, which means a lot of the work that we're doing here and new work we're trying to take forward will be funded in the coming years and further improve what we know about our environment and how we manage it and how we use it for everybody's benefit. I'd like to thank the team here who've spent their time to set up this exhibition. I invite you to find out about all the things they're doing and to add to what you know already. So a special thanks, uh, first off, of course, to Darren Duncan. I can't quite see him. There he is, over the back there. For essentially allowing your team to set up the event this week and for all the support you give them in the weeks and months of the activities they do throughout the year. Special thanks to Elizabeth, who I think was a, a fine compare. I think you're, you're lost in the governor's office. You should become a, a theatrical star. There's a slight ripple there. A new career for you. Uh, special thanks also, of course, to everybody here. And uh, if I have, I hope I've got all the names. Uh, Reese, of course, Leanne, Martin, Joe, Remy, Demi, Jason and Gerald. If I missed anybody, I do apologise. The Remy and Demi bit got me confused. <laughs> but the Marine team, the Environment Directorate, can't do this alone. It needs all of you, in your own ways, to support what they do, to take part in the events during this week, and to remember and carry on in the coming weeks and months that the environment that we live out, that we surrounds us out there beyond our shores is an important part of our lives. So I'd, I'd like to thank also the St. Helena National Trust, who are a cornerstone in achieving what we're doing, uh, the Poland Line Foundation, oh, sorry, Poland Line Foundation, yes, uh, and also our uh, fishermen, who are the stewards and custodians of a lot of the marine environment on a day by day basis. We all have to work together and we're all key stakeholders in conserving what we've got and improving it. So, when the speech is over, I invite you to get a cup of tea, man the stands, go around and find out more and try and take away with you at least two or three new things you didn't know about before you came to Annie's place today. Thank you.
Thank you very much indeed. Thank you very much everybody for coming today. It's really, really reassuring from our side, but all the hard work that's um, gone into being able to host this week, to see so many faces here, to be able to come and appreciate and see um, some of the work that the Bluebell program has facilitated on St. Helena. Um, I think proper introductions is welcome back, Your Excellency, after many months away. Um, honorable members, thanks very much. Um, invited guests and members of the public, thank you again so much for, for being here. I thought I'd start this morning off with a quick little introduction to all of us. Um, so I'll start with myself in case these guys are shy, which I don't think so. Um, my name is Elizabeth um, Clingham. I work in the Governor's Office. Um, I work for the Foreign Commonwealth and Development Office and manage the Bluebelt Project on St. Helena. Um, Marine Section Team can all introduce themselves and I'll start here with Reese. Yeah, so I'm uh, Reese Hobbs. I um, manage the Marine Section, so um, the team that is mostly in front of us, although Jason's sort of in a separate team. Um, and But yeah, my a role in terms of as well as leading the section is uh, basically help delivering sort of SHG's kind of core work but also the Blue Belt program uh, in relation to science. So my name is Leanne Henry, I am the Senior Marine Fisheries Conservation Assistant for the Blue Belt program. My work involves how to go out and do actual physical field work, making sure that kind of data that we collect is entered appropriately and then helping when it comes to turning that data into policy and legislation. Hi, my name is Joe. Um, I'm the Fisheries Science Program Coordinator for the Blue Belt Program. So my post is funded by Blue Belt. And I'm mostly in charge of all the fisheries science that's been done on island at the moment. Um, so I'm in charge of mostly collecting all the biological data, whereas our partner in the UK, CFAS, will then help with all the analysis and report writing and giving advice to the councillors about facts and, and certain things like that. Uh, hi, my name is Remy and I'm a marine conservation assistant. At the moment I work mostly on the lobster project and seabird monitoring. I'm Martin Granville, conservation worker. I assist Joe in the uh, tagging program as well as the lobster project that uh, Remy does. My name is Jenny Jewett and I'm a marine and fisheries scientist. I do the my name is Jason Sparks, I'm the Marine Enforcement Officer for SHG. It's effectively my role to make sure that users of the marine environment comply with the laws that surround the environment. So that's the team on the ground that does all of the work day to day, but to also acknowledge today in the crowd that we have um, Director Darren Duncan, who everyone here comes under and he pretty much makes sure that everyone is doing their part as they've just said that they do. Um, through um, the various channels, and then which directly supports the senior fisheries officer, who's Gerald with the statutory powers, and the chief environment officer, um, Isabel. Um, unfortunately, she can't make it today. She's had a COVID jab. I think she's not feeling particularly well. Um, we, we, we struggled quite hard to be able to find up with a little slogan to come with this year's Marine Awareness Week. Uh, so we've decided on tomorrow's ocean today because it's quite appropriate. The work that we are all doing at the moment is actually for that. It's to make sure that the marine environment as we know it right now is the same way, if not better, for generations to come. And um, we took advantage of uh, Marine Awareness Week. Historically, St. Lena has hosted uh, a Marine Awareness Week since 2003, correct Leanne? Yeah. And I thought it would be nice, Leanne did say this on the radio, she's going to give us a little background as to where Marine Awareness Week originally originated, and hence the reason we have a different theme every year. So, so Marine Awareness Week started in 2003, it would run from the 22nd to the 28th of February. It was first held in the custom shed down at the wharf. I don't even know if it was the custom shed like it is now. It's probably vastly different. And it focused um, on whales and dolphins because Emma Bennett, who was Emma George at the time, she um, had an OTAP funded project that focused on whales and dolphins. So they were trying to encourage people to go out and view the marine environment as a recreational use rather than just um, just something else for other people for something else. So it's encouraging local people to 
Philadelphia and Ralph and see what is in the marine garden. So they organized boat trips and tours and things like that. I think at that time, it was just one boat who was doing dolphin trips. So it wasn't, you know, you didn't have as much choice as you have now. And then they carried on until about 2007. And each year they would have a different theme, they'd have different focus. And then it stopped for a while because um, there was, it was not enough people in the section, things changed. And then when this joined our team in 2011, we started up with Marine Medicine again, and we had our first one right up in the sea. So the theme was Marine and Mapping, so we teamed up with the GIS office, and we had our Marine Awareness with the museum. And whilst we still did, um, you know, organized boat trips and dolphin trips, we were more focused on conservation element or what people you know, positive changes that people can make in their lives to help the marine environment. And then after a while, we started to not organize those trips as much. There was a lot more people who offered those types of trips. So we said, Marine Awareness was coming to advertise for us. We joined the tourist office. We joined the Enterprise Center one year. And we had um, a fishing festival. So on a Saturday, as well as the Marine Awareness Week, there was a fishing festival. And then that kind of evolved into an ocean festival. So I think for two or three years after that, we had an ocean festival. We would just encourage people, you know, just come down, use the marine environment, and you'd be surprised if you, where we had our stall in the dive club and in the yacht club at that time, how many people you see come trapping bars, they'd pop in, whisk around the displays, we'd have a little chat with them, and off they'd go to the bottom and have them swimming in back in their car home. The mono little Sharon that did not want to go home because we hit my sand pad outside. <laughs> or a little poo just to splash it. So it evolved and it changed over the years. Um, some years we went to school, some years we had a venue like we have now. We haven't had a venue for the last probably two years. Yeah, it just evolved and it changed and it suited our needs for the time. And whatever was the whether it was a Darwin funding project or something like the Bluegrow program, we would pick a theme and we focus on what's different from last year, what the marine section is aiming towards, big picture, and what you as an individual. Thank you. So yeah, that's just just pretty much the context of why we we here today. And every year, like I said, the the theme changes. So what's the Bluebell program? What's exciting? So basically, the Bluebell program is a UK-funded program. It is as a result of a manifesto that the UK government made in 2016, where basically they said they want to be able to help the overseas territories who want to look after their marine environments do so. So they made a £20 million pledge at that time to be able to help all of the overseas territories that you can see up there. So St. Lena in 2016 coincidentally designated its marine protected area as a category 6, meaning sustainable use. So that was enshrined in law in 2016. Um, Ascension Island was still deciding what they wanted to do. Uh, Tristan Zacuna as well, in the same boat. Um, South Georgia, South Sandwich Islands, they were already ahead. They designated their marine protected area many years before, also a category 6. And um, Pitcairn and Bayat and a British Indian, uh, British Antarctic Territory were pretty much again similar to um, Ascension and St. Helena. But nevertheless, the Blue Belt program was designed on the following principles, was to be able to help the overseas territories understand what lives in their marine environment and, find, and also to understand how to protect. The other key aims of the Bluebell program is to strengthen governance. So we are rules, we are legislation, we are policy, we are strategy is necessary to be able to give the support and the tools to that particular overseas territory to be able to do that. Not to tell them how to do it, but um, to give them, to facilitate um, going forward. And then to manage the human activities. Um, it's very much, so with a Category 6 marine protected area like St. Lena has, the balance of human use and the protection of the marine environment has to really be gauged and gauged well. Because it's not a marine protected area, which Reese will go into a bit more dis uh, later on in his um, display, um, is not to stop 
it is to really find that absolute balance. So uh, everyone needs to be able to do so with an uh, ear of environmental consciousness and how they go forward. And then I suppose the key, the big areas, the ones that seem to have the biggest impact from humans is to support sustainable fisheries, which is very important to St. Helena and the management of that fisheries. And then with all the rules and everything else, you need um, compliance and enforcement. So again, to be able to have the tools in place to be able to do that. So why Blue Belt? Where did it, where's the big idea come from? So I think some of you might have um, been introduced to Ms. Dr. Samantha Dunn, or Ms. Samantha Dunn. She was on and talking about the sustainable development goals. And you will note that sustainable goal, which is the UN goals, is number 14, life below water. And there's a whole load of uh, targets that um, the UN, so collectively with all these countries, have come up with. So this was the UK government's reaction to being able to achieve those sustainable development goals, to design a program that specifically concentrates on meeting all of those targets. So, big idea, nice big project. How is it being delivered? So, you hear us often speak about organizations called MMO, or the Marine Management Organization, and CFAS, which is the Center of Environment, Fisheries, and Aquaculture Science. They're basically there to support the overseas territories and how it is they go forward. So St. Helena, St. Helena is constitutionally responsible for all the decisions made with how they protect their marine environment. The Marine Management Organization specifically helps St. Helena with developing the policy, strategy if necessary, and most paranoid legislation and regulation. That is their strength in the UK. In the UK, they manage all of that stuff for the government. So they don't tell us again what to do, but they give us pointers in the right direction as to how we could do it, and then we can um, look at it and make sure it's appropriate for St. Helena. And any good management has to be supported by good, robust science. So the CFAS, so the Center for Environment, Fisheries, and Agriculture Science, that's what they do. So. Joe mentioned earlier, CFAS, without their support, um, some of the work, I suppose, wouldn't be able to evolve to the type of depth that it has. Um, this team here, although quite a lot bigger now, is actually was quite small, it's only because of the project side of it that there are a few more. But it can't be expected to know everything, it's just impossible. The um, All the different facets in play with managing and understanding the marine environment includes, needs specialist support sometimes. The CFAS team have a whole load of people that are there at the ready to constantly be able to give that support to the marine section. So, Remy said about lobsters, there's people there that know about lobsters. Joe does work with other species who grew better tuna, he has those people to tap into. So the aim of the Blue Belt program for St. Helena, this is the only slide I'll read, is that St. Helena has a well-managed marine environment with internationally recognized safe, sustainable, environmentally friendly fisheries and effectively regulated marine activities, underpinned by robust scientific evidence. So that's it in a nutshell. So to go into a little bit of the work that has actually um, happened, I'm gonna hand a little bit over to Reese to go through the next two slides uh, in about a minute or so, just so you can get a taster. So the idea of this presentation is to give you a taster of what the rest of the room has to offer you today and the rest of the team. So, over to you, Yeah, so um, just to explain a, a quickly a little bit more about, um, Liz mentioned in terms of one of the things that the Blue Belt Program has been able to do for us is provide us access to resources and uh, kind of technology that we on St. Helena wouldn't be able to afford or, 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 or don't have, essentially. So. In 2018, uh, the James Clark Ross uh, came and uh, did some survey work in and around um, the island. Uh, and I'll talk a little bit more about the bits of survey that it did on the next slide. Uh, and then in 2019, similarly again, we had uh, the Discovery came and that did more work um, out at Bonaparte and Cardinal Seamounts. Um, but basically what this has allowed us to do is it's allowed us to have more access out to the Seamounts in terms of scientific work but also some of the deeper water in and around St. Helena. Um, 
So yeah, and uh, I think it's just to say this is the blue belt, but other links through things like the Research Institute have started to be made, and later on this week, hopefully, if everything goes to plan in terms of timing, the um, research vessel Falasa will be here, which will be similar to one of these, but doing similar types of work, but um, also doing work that, that kind of um, complements the work we're doing as part of the blue belt. So yeah, just in terms of some of that, that data that was collected in relation to those two cruises, um, we've got some work looking at our inshore oceanography, um, and that's basically building a, uh, an oceanographic model in and around the, the island's waters. Um, and that will help us with various different parts of science, so it will help us with um, some work we're doing in terms of water quality, so looking at pollution, um, it will also help us with um, larval dispersal um, for, for fish and, 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 and fish uh, eggs and, and other things. And then, but the other thing is, there's other ways that this can then be used for other parts of Santorini government and the island. In terms of that model, will produce information about currents and drifts and things. So, could eventually be translated over to kind of ports and, and sea rescue type capabilities, basically. Um, so, the second part of what the, um, uh, the those cruises was doing was actually mapping a lot of Santorini's uh, sort of seabeds and. Um, complementing another CSSF program, which is another UK government program, which the UK Hydrographic Office came and did. We've got a very good coverage now in and around St Helena's, um, the island's waters, and also at the sea mounts, um, to show what, essentially, the underwater habitats and what, what it looks like. And we've got a video in a second that shows that. But basically, what that survey, combined with our dive surveys, which is what's the underwater visual census, is it allows us to do some work to look at changes over time. So it's things like monitoring for climate change, looking at any invasive species that might have been brought and might be establishing habitats, because invasive species on this by themselves might not necessarily be a bad thing. But if they start to outcompete kind of habitats that, say, for example, a couple of the dive operators that we've got here in the room with us do, and those habitats start to become very bland or not very interesting, it then impacts in the end on tourism in terms of people might, might not start coming. So that's why it's important to be monitoring these types of things, basically. So, um, and then we've got, uh, yeah, just a quick um, video of uh, uh, a 3D representation just to try and show some of this data that was collected. Um, so as I said, it, it kind of, uh, we're out at Spiri here, but uh, so around the back of the island, but this um, helps with a, a number of things. It helps us look at fish habitats in and around. Um, and then, yeah, this was just to try and pan out and show, because you don't really get often the representation of the red area there is kind of the shoreline, but right at the bottom there, that's 4,000 meters. And the gradient over which that's happening is only a couple of miles. So it really shows how much St. Lena just comes out of the bottom of the ocean, basically. So me and I'll hand over. Oh, oh, and that was just, sorry, just to add on, that was a, um, so that's an example of us doing one of those surveys that I mentioned in terms of monitoring the habitat and the benthic, uh, or the, the seabed environment. Right, so that's a snapshot of that. Reese will be over here afterwards with some more videos, actually, to show the full extent out to the seamounts. Um, and just to say that the Bluebell program is actually facilitated the naming of one of the seamounts, which is the Charlie Boa, I can't see Maya. Yeah, you know, um, we were able to honor the legacy of someone who spent their whole life in the marine environment by naming a very important feature after them. More to come, let's hope. So, <clears throat> you know, we, we need to look at everything holistically. So, um, I'm going to invite Leanne up now just to have a few words about the importance of why everything, everything matters. Not just one thing, not just things so we can do. So, with a... With a category six MPA, like Liz said, you know, you have to take in consideration the things that are big and the things that strike people's interest. But those little creatures, the things like plankton, the occurrence, and how our ocean is made up, that's more or just as important as those big things that people initially that strike your interest say, oh, that's quite interesting. So whilst those big cruises were going on, they, they brought up some weird and wonderful things. So they do mid-water trawls, so they let out lots and lots of cables. It sinks down to about a thousand meters. When they get there, they open up a net, kind of like 
you imagine the whale shark, but just a mechanical version of that. And they will trawl through the water for probably an hour. They bring it up to 500 meters or something, and then they open up another one, and then go through another hour. So right at the top, you see something that's called an anglerfish. Um, that's called an anglerfish because it has a has lure, a little flashy thing, and very large teeth. Because at that depth, everything is dark. You know, you can't miss when food comes along. So it uses its lure to attract things to it, and then it grabs it. The other one on the right, that's called a gulper eel. Now it's very long, very elongated, but it has a huge jaw, again, because it can't afford to miss. On the bottom is a jeweled squid. Um, you can't really see it from the picture, but when you look at it under a microscope or when you look at it closer, it looks like somebody with very, very pretty frock on. It got um, all these little sparkles, like sequins, and it's all very well lit up, very blue and sparkly. It's really, really pretty. And then the other fish is called um, a viper fish. Now that was about the size of my hand. You see it on Blue Planet documentaries, and I was very surprised that we found it here. I was like, ooh, I know who that guy is. So it's about the size of my hand. His teeth is that enormous that he can't shut his mouth up. He just goes around like that. Again, because they can't afford to miss when food comes past. So that's why we say it, it, it has to be everything that's in the deep, everything that supports the life. You know, whale sharks and things like that, they're, they're, they're good for tourism, they're good for our economy, but they won't survive if our ocean is not healthy. They need the food, they need the plankton. Tuna, you know, tuna, we need that for our fishing industry. And we need to make sure that we keep to our tax, that we do our science so we know where our tuna is, how much there, how many we can catch. And that's the same with the inshore species. The inshore species, you know, whale sharks and tuna, they, they come and they go. The inshore species, things like the grouper, um, things like the morays and the glass-eyed snapper, they don't go nowhere. Once they are, once the levels are too low, it'll take a while before they are back to a level where we can catch them sustainably. So that's why now we're doing work to see how much we can catch for those species because we've done some work on tuna. So we know what the picture is at the moment and whilst we can't forget about it, we can ease down on the amount of work we do and we can switch our focus. So that brings me nicely on actually to acknowledge um, other organizations in the room. So Stanley International Trust's uh, marine team as well. So we are, the SHG team and the Blue Belt program are concentrating on certain work areas. Um, there are other organizations, the International Pearl and Lion Foundation as well, Cherie, um, that are able to concentrate on other things. Everybody, somehow, is doing their part to meet the um, aspirations of our marine protected area. We can go into the fishery stuff just a little bit. But the idea is that you go up to Joe afterwards and have a, have a conversation. But it's just kind of to showcase how the work is done, I suppose. No, I'll, be, I'll be very short because Leanne already did a good introduction in terms of saying like the sustainability of everything. So we've got an MPA. That implies our fisheries has to be sustainable. To be able to do that, you need information on the species that you're catching commercially. So the first focus for us was, of course, on tuna, wahoo, and the grouper. And that's been in the past two years. We've done quite a lot of work on that. We've done tagging programs, biological sampling, and we actually have a proper stock assessment now. Of course, you need to continue that work because you have to update your stock assessment every time to make sure if there's any changes, you know you're on top of it. But now our focus has shifted a little bit towards some of the ground fish species. You know, we would love to do a stock assessment for all the species that we have on St. Helena and definitely the ones that are fished commercially. But a stock assessment is very complex and leads to a lot of information. So that's a lot of time, that's a lot of funding you need to do these kind of things. So now we're focusing most on bullseye, conger, all the redfish, you know, squirrel fish, um, Black bar, black bar soldier, and some of the, the deep water um, bullseye as well. And we're looking at the bait fish as well, because of course without bait, you won't be able to do any of your fishing. So we're doing the basic 
of the stock assessment now, which, which, which is basically just get all the information you can, all the biological data. Once you know how the life history traits of your fish are, you know, do they grow fast? When they spawn, do they spawn like millions of eggs or is there limited spawning? Do they only do it once a year or do they continuously spawn through the year? So once you know all of that information, you can decide, okay, we should focus now on these species to do a stock assessment first because they're quite vulnerable to either overfishing or some of other some other factors like climate change or tourism, you know. So that's what we're doing now. We're trying to figure out, okay, which is the next species we want to do a full stock assessment for. If you want to know anything more in terms of how we do the sampling, what kind of information we're looking for, then please come and visit me over there in the back. I'll show you some videos about the tagging, about the bio biological sampling, and if you have any questions, please come to me. We actually do have the tiniest video just to um, pretty much showcase how Joe does what he does in the end. Note that the fishermen themselves are actually tagging these fish. The contractors do, and they're quite competent in being able to do that. There's a lot of controversy in the newspaper some time ago. Are the fish going to be okay after they've been tagged? I think it's safe to say that they are, because we're doing it well. And the nature of the different types of tags, which you've heard about before, I think, gives you all different sorts of information that supports the work that Joe's talking about to ultimately inform policy. So some other work, very briefly, and there's a strong emphasis on the fishery science, but there's also work being done in relation to water quality monitoring. You can have a chat with any of us about that. Um, at the moment, it's a collection of a few different um, samples from various stations from James Bay round to uh, Rupert's, a little further up from James Bay, um, testing the, uh, the coli and all the icky things. Um, but this data, combined with biological data and biological findings, combined with oceanography data, can give us a pretty good picture of how things are, even for us as, as humans directly. And then the other most important part is the data management. Because there's no point going out collecting all this data and these couple of people here all know what's going on. But the Blue Belt program has specifically tried to focus on the data management systems in which everything is stored so that you can use it effectively. Um, so some of the data is, is quite complex and requires specialists for analysis. So we make sure that the data capturing systems are as spot on as they, as they can be. So we, we had some data systems here that were okay, but they needed to be refined. So again, you can speak to any of the team afterwards about how that has actually evolved. And then there are some new bits. Um, sustainable financing. So this is almost like a desk-based sort of activity at the moment. So that when Blue Belt doesn't exist, if St. Lena doesn't get Darwin funding, if all these other funding streams are not available, how St. Helena themselves, through their current systems, can sustain the management of their marine protected area. It's important. Looking at those options, understand the context, the, the economy, and um, all of the other needs of the marine environment. Communication is another strong emphasis. We're here today to make sure that people know what's going on, so that everyone feels a part of this. We all do the work, and we're all very passionate about what it is that we do. People who work in the marine environment um, for their businesses or whatever else, I think that same thing is there, but it's everybody's collective responsibility to take um, a piece of the pie and run with it. So we're making sure that we can inform people as much as possible and know that the door is open for continued conversation. Creating um, new posts. So we've created within the marine section the ability to have a marine apprentice, something that the UK, the St. Lena government couldn't facilitate their own selves due to budget constraints, but the the hope is that every year, Marine Section now will have a new Marine Apprentice to be able to um, keep the legacy going, pretty much, in the work that we do. Um, and a new post hopefully coming soon, because the project has just got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, um, where any, almost any other project would have its own person on the ground, uh, dealing with all the operational matters, so put a section to have somebody. And then I'll leave the 
breaths, but then the REMs at the bottom stands for what, Jason? Remote electronic monitoring. Right, remote electronic monitoring. It's taking the human need away, I suppose, the, from some of the monitoring that is necessary. So it's hoping that St. Lena will try out this um, system where you put like cameras and stuff on, on boats where you can monitor the fishing activity as an observer would do, but it's fancy setup where you can um, put that video footage into some sort of algorithm setting and it will tell you, it'll ask, be able to estimate how much stock was brought on board the vessel, how big that fish was, all that sort of stuff. So it's also introducing St. Lena to forms of technology that they wouldn't um, previously, previously have been able to head. And I'm just going to hand over to Reese quickly just to explain a little bit what bruvs are. Uh, yeah, so probes are um, the word tag, baited remote underwater video. So the intention is is to use the probes to try and establish. It's using some of the same technology that Liz was talking about in terms of bringing things on board and being able to estimate sizes. And you can basically leave the cameras in the water, and it'll allow you to build up over a period of time the species or the profiles that are in wherever you've put the camera. And it'll be able to, it's very clever, it's got like a stereo rig on it, so it can actually, to the centimetre, identify the length of a fish, a shark, um, or a whale shark, and things like that. So we can't be out there all the time, but by putting those cameras out, it allows us to do more with less, essentially, yeah. in terms of being able to, um, and hopefully we might find out some things that we don't know. You know, that tends to be what happens, is you, uh, you start to see new things or things that you didn't think were here. So yeah, again, those are much, we could be up here all day, believe you me. So the other thing, the legacy, one of the major legacy projects that um, the Blue Belt program hopes to leave behind is um, to be able to make sure that future generations have the facility to be able to continue to do science and to do good science, to have faith, to have the integrity necessary in the data that's collected. So the lab project is... Um, a big part of that. So the customs building down to the freight terminal, um, customs have now nicely moved and some of the work has moved on. So the plan is to make that two-story. Um, so with the lab being the key focus, that's the part that is really, really, really needed. Um, and so the idea is that the ground space is um, a dry and wet lab and that there's office space as well for the marine section staff. Anyone who's been to Essex House and seen the cramped, Craig is laughing, um, the cramped kind of conditions, because this team has grown as well, and they're still in this tiny office. Um, the lab is the size of a small bathroom. Um, I would say anyone who knows um, where Deborah used to cut here. It's, it's not suitable for so many different reasons. I won't go into them in detail. So they really need somewhere sensible to be able to undertake this work. And then the idea is that the upstairs becomes a visitor center and that um, St. Lena National Trust and everyone else come on board so that they can pretty much do stuff like this all the time, with a strong emphasis. So that building is a single story, so the idea is to put in another floor to make it a double story. Um, so that's what the floor should look like. And I have here a little video of the progress made to date. It's a little time series camera that we have down there. So that's them clearing the place out, digging up the floors so they can put all the drainage and stuff in. That's the floor, their second floor coming in. Now it's all going to go quite quickly. That's as far as we got so far. But that's massive. This project's been around for years now. And to finally get it to this stage. So that building down there now, the entire ground floor is ready. Just waiting for the partitions and all that sort of stuff to go in and start making it look proper. But that mezzanine floor was a key part because it was the ceiling of the, the bottom and the floor of the top. So, um, and then COVID really didn't help with that process either unfortunately, with all the lockdowns and whatnot. But nevertheless, it's really, really gratifying from, from myself representing the funder to see their project moving forward. 
And then we briefly touched on these subjects all the way through. The reason for doing it is to manage all those human activities. Lots of other policies and legislation are in the books. Uh, marine tourism, extensive um, policy consultation, which is now being translated into regulation. So thanks to the AG's chambers, um, all of them up there in the corner, taking the lead on that work and making sure that that work progresses to the next stage. Um, sand extraction and water quality as well, both things that impact and um, are human, for the human impact side of it we need to be able to understand. And again, the marine developments policy is recently um, more or less the tail end of its consultation process and that's working with people like Ishmael, I don't know who you are, but again, making sure that it works with the land development control ordinance and all those those things, key pieces of work, legacy pieces of work. And then generally strengthening governance is all I, I touched on it already. So from a fisheries perspective, the current fisheries legislation, although okay, it's not up to scratch, it was written in 1970 whatever, it was fine then, but things have changed, what we know has changed, the way we need to manage has changed. So again, a full revision um, and a new fisheries legislation, again, which is currently um, in the drafting process, which will go out, but before it did, it had extensive consultation on actual policy itself, so hopefully legislation will reflect the policy. And then any other policies that are necessary to pretty much revise and change St. Lena's Marine Management's plan. And then the other stuff is being able to, so we have rules and regulations and whatnot, but it's being able to um, go forward with compliance and enforcement. So I just hand over to Jason just for a minute or so just to kind of explain where we're at. Okay, so when I introduced myself as a Marine Enforcement Officer, I said my role was to ensure that the uses of the marine environment act in line with laws surrounding the marine environment. Um, that doesn't just count towards St. Elenian's, the St. Elenian Fisher Fleet, it's an international obligation, okay? So there's no point in the St. Elenian Fleet using the most sustainable and selective fishing methods and sticking to uh, taxing quotas, ensuring that the amount of fish we take is sustainable. If foreign vessels can come in and put nets out and long lines, that, that would mean that there's too much fish being taken up and what happens is unsustainable. So there's a lot of work goes on to ensure that our waters are protected from foreign vessels. Um, it's, one of the, it's one of the areas that were really helped out by the Blue Belt. We've got um, different ways of surveilling offshore and ensuring that no foreign vessels are coming in and taking our fish. As I say, IUU fishing, it, it's a massive issue worldwide. You know, it costs, costs the world 23 billion US damages the environment and affects the socio-economic conditions. There are a couple of ways we go about it. This is basically what we call a full suite of offshore monitoring. This is your gold star. We're never going to have that on St. Lena, but we do have certain elements of this available to us through the Blue Belt scheme. So the first thing we have is AIS monitoring. So on the high seas, every vessel over 15, 15 metres needs to have an AIS tracker. Um, we've got contracts with data anal analysts and really clever scientists in the UK that are constantly analysing that data anywhere near St. Helena and if any vessels go dark, the AIS goes off, if they enter our waters we know about it straight away. Um, the next thing we've got available to us, as you can see we've got the satellites across the top there, we've got satellite surveillance available and we can detect light, we can detect heat, we can have photograph analysis on there and um, that's been going on over the last year roughly it was a re released a report in December and I'm happy to say that we're at low risk our waters are safe um, thanks a lot <laughs> so everyone can see there's, there's a lot going on and there's a lot of stuff that we didn't highlight otherwise seriously we would have been here all day just, just talking so we've designed the week so that people can take the opportunity to learn in different forms to how they prefer. This evening we have um, a presentation tonight that starts at 6.30. 
um, uh, introduction to the bluebell slightly different to this one, uh, which I'll do. We'll have the National Trust team is here as well to, again, for people to understand the role of an NGO um, and research and conservation. And then some more specific subjects in a little bit of more detail, because I think you can see just by the little bits that everybody has to say, there's a lot more if you're really, really interested in, in knowing it. We've got a quiz Wednesday night, team six, only one pound a person. Um, come on, Craig. Um, so that, um, again, is designed to have fun, but we hopefully will get some, um, get some information across to our audiences. Uh, movie night um, at the Mule Yard. And then a very key thing that we all can make a direct impact with is supporting the St. Lena National Trust team as well in their community cleanup that they're going to um, organize. Um, because any little bit of, I'm oh, sorry, I'm trying to think of a better word, um, junk. That's it. I know what you're going to say. Yes, I know. <laughs> uh, any litter and stuff that doesn't go in the ocean is is really good. So let's let's help out with this. Just just the morning, and I think we're going to hopefully make a pot of plow or something like that for those that have helped. And then the other thing is just keep you those on social media to have a look. Um, there's some brief introductions to various other people that support the, the program. Um, here, a little video clip about what it is they do. Um, Saint FM. Uh, Tammy. Oh, there we go. Um, if you just want to do a quick shout out as to what you, you guys are doing. So if everybody can go to the St. FM website page, which is www.saint.fm, and it will include everyday videos from the Blue Belt team that actually work in the UK, uh, which Lisa supplied us with. We also have the launch from Friday, which introduces you to the entire team and talks a little more in detail about the work of the Marine team, the Marine section, and of course the Blue Belt. Very interesting. It's there. It's available online. You can access it every day of the week, whenever you want. So, yeah, thank you for facilitating that for us. So, I am going to end now. Ask his excellency just to come up and give us a few more words, and then we can move on to the next activities for the day. Thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you very much, and thank you for the marine team for excellent introduction to the work they do. I feel a little bit upstaged by the prime minister, so I don't really have great much or more to say than the way that he can say it in such uh, fine prose. Firstly, it's impressive to see so many people here today. I remember back in May or June 2019 when I first arrived, we had a Queen's birthday celebration at Plantation House and I believe the Marine team came and put a stand up. And at that time, people were three deep, almost continuously, during the Queen's birthday event, finding out the work that the team were doing. It's pretty impressive that they've continued the momentum and the range of things they've achieved and we've heard about today. I'd like you for a moment to take a look at that poster on the back wall. We're talking about protecting the world's oceans, but if I got my numbers right, seven out of nine territories on that poster are all in the South Atlantic. So I think it's important that we appreciate the South Atlantic is at the forefront of protecting the marine oceans at this moment in time. We heard about Ascension, who's now got their marine protected area declared, and last week they signed off their marine protection plan. Tristan de Kuna, as we heard the Prime Minister, has uh, developed a marine protection zone, protecting 90% of their waters, and they're now working towards the plan to implement that new zone. But importantly, here on St. Helena, the range and diversity of the studies and the law changes and the policies that we've put in place means that we here are in the forefront of all of those territories on that chart in protecting and being creative on how we protect our marine environment. St. Helena, not to put it mildly is essentially the flagship territory of the Blue Belt program. I'm also pleased to note uh, that the Blue Belt program has now been extended at least until 2022. 
which means a lot of the work that we're doing here and new work we're trying to take forward will be funded in the coming years and further improve what we know about our environment and how we manage it and how we use it for everybody's benefit. I'd like to thank the team here who've spent their time to set up this exhibition. I invite you to find out about all the things they're doing and to add to what you know already. So a special thanks uh, first off of course to Darren Duncan I can't quite see him, there he is over the back there, for essentially allowing your team to set up the event this week and for all the support you give them in the weeks and months of the activities they do throughout the year. Special thanks to Elizabeth, who I think was a, a fine compare. I think you're, you're lost in the Governor's office. You should become a, a theatrical star. There's a slight ripple there, a new career for you. Uh, special thanks also, of course, to everybody here. And uh, if I have, I hope I've got all the names. Uh, Reese, of course, Vianne, Martin, Joe, Remy, Demi, Jason and Gerald. If I missed anybody, I do apologise. The Remy and Demi bit got me confused. <laughs> but the Marine team, the Environment Directorate, can't do this alone. It needs all of you in your own ways to support what they do, to take part in the events during this week, and to remember and carry on in the coming weeks and months that the environment that we live out, that we surrounds us out there beyond our shores is an important part of our lives. So I'd, I'd like to thank also the Central Indian National Trust, who are our cornerstone in achieving what we're doing. Uh, the Poland Line Foundation, oh, sorry, Poland Line Foundation, yes, uh, and also our uh, fishermen, who are the stewards and custodians of a lot of the marine environment on a day-by-day basis. We all have to work together, and we're all key stakeholders in conserving what we've got and improving it. So, so the speech is over. I invite you to get a cup of tea, man the stands, go around and find out more, and try and take away with you at least two or three new things you didn't know about before you came to Annie's place today. Thank you very much indeed. That's it. Go eat now.